Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Koo Stevens drew on whatever guidance he could find on the Yarrington Paiute Reservation in Nevada to eventually steer him to become a state champion cross-country runner. He's taken his running talents to the University of Oregon and is one of many Native college and high school runners who have found a home in track and field. Today we'll celebrate the start of track season and learn what it takes for athletes to stay in the lead pack when it comes to the many track and field events. We're back right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. A federal grand jury has indicted a New Mexico man in the case of a missing elderly woman on the Navajo Nation. Arizona Public Radio's Ryan Heinches reports Ella Mae Begay remains missing after more than a year and a half. The two-count indictment alleges that 23-year-old Preston Henry Tolth assaulted Begay during a June 2021 carjacking in Sweetwater, Arizona, a community near Four Corners on the Navajo Nation. Prosecutors say Tolth drove Begay's Ford F-150 pickup truck across state lines and intended to cause death or serious bodily harm to her. Tolth faces decades in prison if convicted. The investigation by the FBI and Navajo Nation law enforcement is ongoing, and the U.S. Justice Department says it's part of a broader attempt to solve cases of missing and murdered indigenous people. Begay's family has aggressively sought answers in her disappearance. In a social media post, an attorney representing them said the day of the indictment was bittersweet. Last summer, Begay's niece, Seraphine Warren, walked from the Navajo Nation to Washington, D.C. to advocate for her aunt and other missing and murdered indigenous people. For National Native News, I'm Ryan Heinches in Flagstaff. Winona LaDuke has resigned as executive director of the environmental group Honor the Earth. The board of directors received and accepted her resignation this week. The move comes after a Minnesota jury last week sided with a former employee. Margaret Campbell had complained a co-worker sexually harassed her. Campbell claimed Honor the Earth's leaders failed to take her concerns seriously. The Becker County jury awarded Campbell $750,000 in damages for sexual harassment and retaliation. Honor the Earth released a statement on Facebook Wednesday from the new executive director, Crystal Tubles. In the statement, Tubles talks about moving Honor the Earth forward with the transition after Leduc's leadership of more than 30 years. The statement does not mention the lawsuit, but Tubles says they've learned real lessons and have deep work to do around sexual harassment. She goes on to say Honor the Earth is committed to listening, healing, and intentional work ahead. In a Facebook post, Leduc wrote that she failed former employee Molly Campbell for failing to respond to her reports of sexual harassment by a co-worker. LaDuke says prior to the trial, she had been working on a transition plan. Tribal leaders in California asked state lawmakers to help address the fentanyl crisis impacting their communities. During a recent roundtable at the state capitol in Sacramento, tribal leaders shared how fentanyl is devastating Native Americans across the state. Chairman John Chrisman of the Viejas Band of Mission Indians, who's been in tribal leadership for 16 years, has served as chairman for the last four. He says it's plaguing his people, and it's like nothing he's seen before. Part of the reasons that we have we don't have any successes because this new sort of chemical takes a hold of them. And when you look in their eyes, they can't, it's like they need a stepping program to get off of this in order to even get through it. 
get through to them at all. Chairwoman Angela Elliott Santos of the Manzanita Band of Kumeyaay Nation talked about how she's lost close family members. She says challenges include being in a rural area with lack of resources, law enforcement, and services. She says what tribes need is full funding, which they don't have to compete for in order to tackle the issue. Funding we can count on to end the cycles that have plagued us since we were stripped of our way of life. In these days of so much talk of equity and making up for the past, our tribes are still in the same position they've been in for decades, nowhere close to having the resources to truly help our people. Santos also stressed the need for collaboration, especially for law enforcement and mental health crisis support. The discussion was led by Native American Assemblymember James Ramos, who says the roundtable was held for legislators to learn recommendations for a stable government-to-government solution. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by BNSF Railway, proudly supporting the nation's economy by moving the goods that feed, supply, and power communities across the country. More at bnsf.com slash tribal relations. Support by Ramona Farms, offering wholesome and delicious foods from our heirloom crops as our contribution to a better diet for the benefit of all people. We are honored to share our centuries-old farming and culinary traditions online at RamonaFarms.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. For some Native athletes, spring brings more than rain showers and flowers. It also marks the season for track and field, an ancient sport that features a variety of individual and team races, along with other speed, strength, and endurance events. Whether it's sprinting, hurdling, jumping, or throwing, Native athletes have excelled at track and field since Jim Thorpe and Louis Tewanima won Olympic gold and silver medals more than 100 years ago. Today, tribal college and high school athletes and coaches continue the proud tradition of Native track and field excellence. And we'll speak with some of these dedicated individuals about their passion for the sport. They'll also share what they're most excited about this track and field season and how the sport aligns with Native culture and tradition. As always, we encourage you, our listeners, to join the conversation. Are you a former or current track and field athlete? What's your favorite track and field event? Call us at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Or just leave a comment on our social media. Our Twitter handle is 1-800-99-NATIVE. We've got four guests on our show today. And first up on the line in Cherokee, North Carolina, is Asha Stevens. She is the Cherokee High School head track and field coach and head cross-country coach. And she is a member of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians. Asha, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. We're excited to have you as well. Joining us from Eugene, Oregon is Koo Stevens. No relation to Asha. He is a cross-country runner at the University of Oregon. He is Yarrington Paiute. Koo, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. You bet, Koo. And joining us from Lawrence, Kansas is Tiaje Nez. She is a sophomore long-distance runner at Haskell Indian Nations University, and she is Navajo. Tiaje, great to have you on the show. 
Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> also joining us from Lawrence, Kansas is Jeremy Bacchus. He's also at Haskell and a middle distance runner. He is Blackfeet. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Hello, hello. Right back to you. Well, Asha, let's start off with you. Track and field season is finally arrived. How's your team looking so far? They're looking great. They're looking strong. And I just can't brag enough about my distance runners, my sprinters. They really have disciplined themselves this year. They're Most of them are seniors. They have come up through the program since middle school. And they've always just kind of been, you know, in the middle, finishing in the middle of the pack, you know, not really accomplishing a whole lot, but they've really bought in to my style of coaching, which incorporates all aspects of not just running and training, but hydration, nutrition, rest, mentally approaching a race. And they've met every goal that I put in front of them. I have to constantly push myself to learn more, to make them better runners. And they're just, they're pushing me as a coach just as much as I'm pushing them on the track because they work so hard. Jalen Bark is one of my uh, team captains, and he he fuels the team. The other teammates feed off of him. He's an example. He leads by example, and he holds them accountable. Even on days like we're coming up on spring break, and I know there's going to be days that he's going to send out a message to his teammates like, hey, Let's go get this extra run in. Let's get this extra workout in with the guys. And they all do it. And I think as a coach, that's so important. The coachability of the kids, the natural talent of the kids, and just their discipline and consistency. Because to mm -hmm. be a great runner, all those come into – they have to come into play in order to be successful. And it's paying off big time for these kids. We have an excellent 4 by 18 We're currently ranked second in the state. So we're looking to make a run at the state championships at the end of May. And Jalen excels in the mile, the 1600 and the 3200. And we use our small track meets as training opportunities for him. So he'll jump in on a 400 or he'll jump in the 4 by 4 the 4 by 2 just to get some extra speed work in because he has goals of his own, and I as a coach know that, and I want to, to fuel him and make him successful because he has it in him. And, so, and a fun fact is he will be joining the other two at high school next year. He will be running cross-country and track at high school. Awesome. So we're excited that he's going to continue his career. <laughs> that is super exciting, yeah. <laughs> and Asha, what about uh, field events? you have any you know, shot put, discus, uh, some of these other contests? Uh, do you folks, are, are you competitive in those areas too? Yes, so we have Kenson Davis. He is a shot put and discus thrower. He has um, made it to stay every year in those events, and he's on the track to make it to stay, and, I, and he's placed every year. He's gotten second, third, and fourth, and so we're hoping to get him to that first place finish this year. He works hard. He's actually going on a football scholarship to Lenore Ryan here in North Carolina, mm -hmm. and he's just a hard worker. I have Azon Bell. He's, a, he's from Choctaw, um, Mississippi, but he's a high jumper, and he really took on that role this year in indoor track and has just soared in that event. He's, he works hard. He's also on my 4x18, the 400, and the 800, and the mile, and so he's a phenomenal athlete as well. Now, Asha, I've heard you say that the 400-meter 
is one of the hardest events to coach. Why is that? I think it's because it's the most exciting race, the 400 and the 4 the four by 4 You know, they're just so exciting to watch. And I think a lot of young kids who aren't experienced runners just think that it's an all-out sprint. It's an all-out, just go out hard as you can. But I try to teach them there's a whole technique to approaching the 4 by 4 You have, you know, the first 50, 200 meters, you just get out there. And then you have a relaxation zone. And then you have an acceleration zone. And then you have a strong finish zone. And so understanding how to run a 4 by 4 mentally is just as important as running the 4 by 4 physically because all that comes into play and getting them to understand it strategically helps them run it better. I have Anthony Lossie, who will also be joining the other two at Haskell next year as on the track team. He, uh, he runs a 53 currently. We're trying to get him down to 52, 51 over the next couple of weeks. And he's a real contender in the 400, and he's in our 4 by 4 relay. And he is just phenomenal. Like, when you watch him run, it's just he looks effortless. He looks mm. smooth. And that's just a big part of running the 400 smart. Oh, it just sounds so exciting. And, Asha, <laughs> you also have a freshman, and she's already a state champion. She won the cross-country uh, state championship this past fall. And she's making big waves on your track team this spring, right? Yes, the Daya Swimmer. She uh, is a freshman, yes. She came in this year. Uh, she ran middle school for us and did great things. But this year she came in and just ruled cross country in the state of North Carolina. She's the 1A state champion. She was a conference champion, which came with all conference honors. She was a regional champion, of course, a state champion. And she was on the all-state team, as well as racking up other numerous awards with those accomplishments. She set a school record. Uh, currently, it's 1852, and she ran that this year. And she currently runs the 400 and the 800 in track. And we kind of throw her in in the mile, and we're trying to get in the two mile. Two miles is a little – it can be a little draining on the track, so I understand right. that. <laughs> but she is so mentally strong. She works hard. She competes. And she, I mean, she just has it. She has great parents who support her and push her. And I can't speak enough about her, especially over the things that she's going to accomplish over the next three years that she has left in high school. We have um, the track conference coming up, regionals in the state, of course. And I have no doubt that she's going to accomplish and gain more hardware this season. Mm-hmm. Well, it just sounds like the sky is the absolute limit for, for an athlete that young and already that successful. And, Asha, another thing I think is interesting about your team is you've got a lot of seniors and you've coached these these runners and these other athletes since their freshman year. And as I understand it, when some of these runners started out, they, they weren't really that serious about the sport. They wore like basketball shorts out to run and they didn't have like really sophisticated uh, running shoes and things like that. But they've changed over the years and, and they take it a lot more seriously now. Yes, I told them a couple of weeks ago at practice. I said, I can tell that you guys are runners now, just the, by the way you dress. I mean, they're coming out with numerous pairs of shoes, <laughs> different shoes for different <laughs> running days. They had their spikes, because it took me a while to get them into spikes. They didn't want to wear spikes. But now, I mean, they're bought in, they dress the part, they hydrate, they eat, they rest, and they train for the part of the track runner. And that in itself tells you how serious they are about it and how 
how much they're bought in. Because I think getting buy-in from them is the most important thing. Because sometimes, especially in Cherokee, we're a basketball town. Our women's and men's basketball programs are so successful here. And everyone wants to play basketball. And track and cross-country doesn't gain as much attention or as much crowds as a basketball does. And Mm -hmm. They're making a name for themselves. I have some young runners, Ty Togner, who's a sophomore, and he is on the heels of Jalen Bark. He is right there with him. I have no doubt that over the next couple of years that he's going to accomplish more, add more to his resume to what he's already accomplished because he is just so coachable. He's one of the best kids that I can ask him to do something and he'll do it. He doesn't complain. He doesn't you know, make excuses. And I think that kids like that, especially on the younger side who are buying in early and they have that natural talent will only lead to success. And I attribute that to his parents, his family, as well as his just own self character. We are talking with Asha Stevens, who is the head track and field coach at Cherokee High School in Cherokee, North Carolina. She gave us a rundown on her season so far and some of her uh, top performers in in various events. And we've got other guests on our show today, and we're going to learn all about the sport of track and field and and more about the athletes who who participate in the sport and what they love about it and uh, how they're inspired to go out there and run and compete every day in track and field. Anybody, if you are a track and field athlete or a former track and field athlete or you're just interested in the sport, give us a call, one 800 996-2848. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This year's Native 40 Under 40 honorees include the president of the Navajo Nation, a small business owner, and the senior producer of your favorite Native radio talk show. We'll celebrate the accomplishments of Native people under the age of 40, making a difference in their communities on the next Native America Calling. If you are age 45 years or older, it may be time to talk with your health care professional about colon cancer screening. Medicare, Medicaid, and the marketplace have you covered. For more information, visit healthcare.gov or call 1-800-318-2596. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Olympic track and field competitions feature 44 events. Races like the 3200 meters test a runner's endurance and stamina, while throwing events like shot put and discus demand strength and power honed by technical precision. Today we're speaking with three Native athletes and a coach about their passion for running and track and field. You can join our conversation by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Let's go to our next guest now, Koo Stevens, uh, cross-country runner at the University of Oregon. Koo, you have had tremendous success as a runner, and you're getting a lot of attention and praise in the media. Congratulations. How long have you been running? Uh, man, I've been running since uh, as long as I can remember. Uh, my dad, he used to push me in a stroller when he would go for his runs, and uh, I would hop out and 
run alongside him, get tired, hop back in the stroller. And, you know, that cycle continued for, I don't know, maybe a couple months, and I'd go on runs with him. And it seems like the next day when he was going to races, I was beating him. So that's, <laughs> uh, started, I started, uh, started really young. So. Now, I know for you, uh, you run for competition, of course, but you also just run for your own spirituality, for your own well-being, to connect with your people and your community. Tell us about just your overall approach to, to running in general. Well, yeah, man, it's uh, running is spiritual. It's healing. You know? we, uh, me and my family, we've hosted this run over the past two years called the Remembrance Run. And, um, you know, what we seek to do there is to bring attention to, you know, Native American boarding schools and the, the historical trauma that it's caused our people. And, you know, the, the pain that still lingers and the, the healing that's required um, can be found through running. And so, you know, my, uh, I've had many relatives, you know, escape boarding schools when they were younger. And uh, specifically, uh, my great-grandfather, Frank Quinn, uh, he ran away from boarding school when he was eight years old, you know, and he, he had to run 50 miles over, you know, mountains in the desert in, uh, you know, hot Nevada. And, um, you know, we've, uh, we've retraced his steps twice, um, through the process that we call the remembrance run. And we've had people come out and, you know, of all kinds of, all kinds of races come out. You know, it doesn't matter what color you are. If you want to come out and you want to learn and you want to, you know, have an open mind and you want to help, you know, your native people and your native friends, your native family heal, um, you know, we were all for that. And so, you know, we've hosted, uh, we've hosted that twice. We're hosting it again this next year, um, August 12th through the 13th, uh, good old Nevada. But, um you know, that's just one of the things, you know, every time I, every time I go for a training run or every time I race, you know, I try to keep uh, just in the back of my mind, like I'm doing this for more than just me. I'm doing this for my people and I'm, I'm out here representing the best way that I know how, and you know, that's, that's through running. So. Uh, really inspiring coup. And to think of, you know, just these different approaches you take to the sports and, um, so when you're doing a run like what you're describing, this remembrance run, and you're thinking about your grandfather and other relatives and other boarding school survivors, and then here you are, maybe the next week, you're in some fierce competition on a cross-country course or on an indoor or outdoor track, and um, do you have to kind of uh, refocus a little bit for, you know, when you've got a clock and you've got a starting gun, or are you still running from the same place regardless of the context? Um, yeah, I would definitely say that there, there has to be some sort of, uh, refocus, but you know, it's all coming from the same place. You know, I feel like what makes, you know, the difference between a good runner and a great runner is the reasons for why they're running. And, um, a lot of that has to do with, you know, coming from the heart, you know, really racing for a purpose. And, um, you know, the sooner that you find that purpose and you're able to you know, bring that to the rest of the world, the better you're going to be. So, mm. I mean, yeah, I feel like that's the best way that I could, uh, that's the best way I could put that. So. No, it's, yeah, beautifully stated. I, I, I love that. And so now you're at the University of Oregon, which has this tremendous, tremendous 
tradition uh, of, mm-hmm. of cross country and track and field excellence. I'm thinking of people like Steve Prefontaine and, uh, of mm-hmm. course, you know, the Nike story. It all begins there uh, on the campus of the University of Oregon. So what led you to Oregon and to becoming a duck? It was funny. It's um, I was probably in sixth grade, and I was I was just at a track meet, hanging around, and I heard two older gentlemen talking about, you know, University of Oregon. That's the the best track program in the country. And at the time, that was correct. It was I don't know, maybe 2015, 2016. They were uh, winning national championships and Pac-12s, and um, you know, it just kind of stuck with me. And so you know, from that moment on, I kind of just set my eyes on all right, well, I want to be the best runner I can, so I might as well go to the best program. And, um, you know, I trained hard. I worked my butt off. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's uh, that's the, the origins of me wanting to go to the University of Oregon. Now, Ku, uh, are there other native runners uh, who've been there at the University of Oregon, or are you the first? Uh, I'm the first. You know, it, <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's kind of It's kind of hard sometimes. You know, because there's not a whole lot of people that really look like you. Um, but it's it's all right. There's uh, there's other natives on campus, so it doesn't feel like as lonely as it could. Um, but definitely, like in just the training training situation and in races, um, can feel a little. Uh, it can lack a sense of belonging, uh, which can make it hard to train sometimes. But it's okay. You know, it doesn't matter. Like to me like what color what color your skin is you know as long as you're running with me your family so i've made a i've made really good friends here lifelong friends already so that's good but um next year actually we do have another native coming um tayson echohawk he's currently ranked uh like 16th in the nation um yeah and he's uh he's the pawnee pawnee tribe i believe it's oklahoma mm-hmm. uh not too sure but yeah, he's coming here next year, so I won't well, be here long. Yeah, that's good to know. Uh, there'll be two natives next year on the Oregon Ducks. Uh, right now, there's one, and his name is Koo Stevens, and he's on the line right now. We're going to talk more with Koo, but before we do, let's take a phone call where we have Richard. He's up in Rosebud, South Dakota. He's listening on KOYA. Hello, Richard. Hello. So Richard. I just wanted to just do – yep, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, loud and clear. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, you know, track and field is always exciting. I'm, I'm currently the assistant coach at Todd County High School, and I do the distance. Uh, really quick, though, just about myself. Um, I started running in uh, at uh, Sherman Indian at the boarding school out in California, and I think that's what really started everything. Um, currently, I'm a teacher. I'm a soldier in the South Dakota National Guard, and, um, you know, that's my big passion is what, what got me going. It helped, you know, keeps me sober too and uh, alcohol and drug free. And I think that's one thing that I, w- I would want to say in this conversation is it just, it doesn't start and it doesn't end in high school. It's something that you keep going and um, you find a passion for, and it got me through college. And just like that young man was saying about uh, being in college and being the only one, um, I went to a college. I went to Valley City State University, where I was the only Native American on the team, and um, competed, and it was great. Um, but uh, you know, the one thing that also helped helped me through that is after college, you can keep running. Um, I entered and ran uh, college meets and open meets, 
and um, had a great time. Right now, I currently run for the National Guard Marathon team, so the all-nation um, team that we have, the all-guard. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just such a beautiful thing to do. Um, and, you know, it's just my big, big deal is a lot of people think it ends there. It doesn't. And I'm still currently running as much as I can. And also, you got to give back. Give back to your community. Um, become a coach and become uh, helpful to those who are who are interested in doing track and cross country. Absolutely, absolutely, Richard. Thank you for that call uh, coming from Rosebud. And, and Richard uh, really stresses that that running is a lifelong sport, which is uh, a really important takeaway. Thank you, Richard, for that uh, insight. And Ku, I want to go back to you because Richard mentions uh, you know starting to run there at Sherman Indian School in it. You know, I, I want to get your thoughts because here you have this remembrance run and, and, you know, your grandfather had, you know, obviously, you know, did not want to be in that boarding school, but it, obviously at some, in some way it inspired him to run. And then we hear about people like Jim Thorpe and Billy Mills, all those great runners. They got their start at, at some of these boarding schools, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say that um, that boarding schools progressed over the, the years. But in the earlier stages of boarding schools, they were awful places. I mean, right. you know, that's where right. that's where they sent Native Americans to, you know, ethically and spiritually die. So, you know, my grandfather, I don't know if he, you know, really had a running career after that. He was more or less just running to, you know, get back to his family. Um, running to get away. Yeah. I mean, running to, <laughs> running to live. Um but yeah, but he no, passed some of that on to you, though, Koo. He passed. He must have passed some of that on to you. That passion. Oh yeah. Those yeah, lungs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would, I would definitely assume so. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, Koo, uh, you know, you've already won a, a lot of big races. Tell us about some of your goals that you have set for yourself there at the University of Oregon. Yeah. Um, well, I got some pretty big ones. Uh, we recently had a new coach come in, uh, Jerry Schumacher. He's also the coach of the Bowerman Track Club, which is a, a pro Nike team. Um, they're the pro Nike team. So, you know, coming here, he set some pretty high standards and he's holding everybody to them. So this year I'm looking to run a, a 14 flat 5K, which is about 4.28 per mile. Um, and then I'm also looking to run a 29 flat 10K, which is 440 or roughly, roughly 440 uh, per mile. Okay. And then um, when I start to move down lower into distance, I'm looking for like a 443 to a 445, 1500, which is roughly a, a four flat mile. All right. So those are uh, those are world class times, Coop. That's what you got your goal, oh, yeah. your, your, your sight set on. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Really, yeah. really impressive. Well, tell us also about. I mean, I hear about you know athletes at the University of Oregon and they just get to hang out at the Nike headquarters and they get all kinds of perks so are are you able to collaborate a lot with like Phil Knight and some of these other people that are just huge huge supporters of of the Oregon Ducks Yeah I mean we have really good resources uh like really really good resources we have um essentially a Nike outlet within our track facility um so we'll we'll go up there whenever we need a new pair of shoes or Whenever um, you know our clothes get worn out, and we could ask for a you know a new pair or a new shirt or more, maybe some more shorts, we're very well taken care of here. Um, <laughs> so it, it's it's really nice to have that at your fingertips. Well, it sounds like you're very well taken care of, but you you've earned it. Uh, you're working hard, and 
boy, we just wish you all the success in the world as you continue on your journey uh, as a runner and as an athlete. And uh, Koo Stevens, uh, cross-country runner there at the University of Oregon. He is Yerrington Paiute. And if you'd like to give a, a shout-out to, to Koo or uh, Asha or one of our other guests, we've got uh, Tiage and Jeremy on the line as well. Give us a call. The phone lines are open, 1-800-996-2848. Once again, that number, 1-800-996-2848. We want to hear from track and field athletes and fans on our show today. And uh, let's pivot now to our Haskell Rascals. We have Tiage Nez and Jeremy Bacchus uh, both on the line. They are runners at Haskell Indian Nations University. And Tiage, let's start with you. How's your season shaping up so far? Um, season's good. Uh, we just started outdoors, so I'm excited for that and excited to progress in the 5K. In the 5K. Now, is that your only event or are you running other distances? Um, we're mostly focusing on the 5K, but I would probably do maybe a 15 or a, yeah, maybe a 15 in the near future. <laughs> okay. And Tiaje, I know you grew up there in Kirtland, New Mexico. You went to Kirtland Central High School. When did you start running? Um, I actually started running my junior year of high school. Um, so kind of, I didn't run my whole life, unlike everyone else. <laughs> But I actually started, um, I actually grew up playing basketball because Kirtland's known for their women's basketball program. So I was excited to be a part of that. But once I tried running my junior year, I think it just changed the trajectory of my entire life, I guess you can say. Because, like, I fell in love with the sport. Like, I didn't know I could run. I didn't know I was actually decent at it. So um, I just knew it was something I wanted to keep doing. Well, what was it about running that just stole you away from, from basketball and, <laughs> and just got you, you know, where you are now? What is it about the sport and the activity? I think it's just the um, the community that comes with it, like the teammates and the coaches and also, like, everyone else. Like, it, I think it's just – a beautiful thing to see it bring everyone together as well like example for like remembrance runs or like for other causes as well and I was fortunate enough to have a high school coach that also like implemented um, our traditional values into the sport which I think made me fall in love with it is because like I saw the um, I'm sorry about the noise uh -huh. um, I saw I just I don't know how to explain it, I guess you could say, but he just brought in our traditional values, like why it's important that we run, how we can run and pray, how it's a form of prayer, and um, the history behind it with our people. I just thought it was just a really beautiful thing, and like it made me, um, I guess it just changed after that. It sounds like it just... Uh... It just, uh, you know, stole your heart and, and made you a runner. And it sounds like probably a lifelong runner, like our caller Richard up in, in Rosewood, South Dakota, mentioned with the spirituality yeah. side of it as well. Absolutely. Well, Jeremy, how about you? What led you to Lawrence, Kansas and uh, running there at Haskell Indian Nations University? Um, so I've been running for about eight years now. I was originally a wrestler. It's not like I would run to get in shape for wrestling, but... So I kind of fell in love with running, and um, 
throughout my high school year, my coach been telling me all these things, and uh, I just love running. And um, he mentioned high school, like um, wanting me and all that, and uh, like to have a good team and all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, sorry about that. Oh, no worries. No worries, Jeremy. Uh, we're going to have to take a break here in just a moment anyways. But I'm interested in learning more about, uh, you know, you started out as a wrestler and, and running, of course, is a big part of that sport because I wrestled. So I know absolutely we spent a lot of time out there on the track as well for the conditioning side of it. So I think there's a number of, of, of runners that start out from the sport of, of wrestling. And of course, Tiage, who started out as a basketball player. So we're going to learn a lot more about what's going on there at Haskell Indonesian University and their track team. But we do have to take another short break. And uh, anyone who wants to give us a call, phone lines are open, 1-800-996-2848. This Easter, you can find truly unique gifts and menu items from SweetgrassTradingCode.com, a Ho-Chunk Inc. company, where you can choose from a variety of food, beauty, and wellness items from tribes across Turtle Island. Ho-Chunk Inc. supports this show. Support for law and justice-related programming provided by Hobbs, Strauss, Dean & Walker, a national law firm dedicated to promoting and defending tribal rights for nearly 40 years. More information available at HobbsStrauss.com. Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. What does it take to excel at track and field, a sport that requires both individual focus and teamwork? We've got three athletes and a coach who can give us those answers and much more. Call us at 1-800-996-2848 to give them a shout-out or just ask a question. That number again, 1-800-996-2848. Let's pivot back to Asha Stevens, who is the head track and field coach there at Cherokee High School. And Asha, you know, listening to Ku and Tiage and Jeremy, and we're very much learning that that there is a spiritual component to, to running, a tradition there. Uh, does that exist there among the Cherokee as well, a tradition and a heritage of running? Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, absolutely. So one thing that I teach my runners, and it's, it's an important part of our culture, is going to water. Uh, we have this game called stickball here, and part of stickball, it's it's actually called the Little Brother of War, and it's a very physical game. It can almost almost be violent, but it was a way for our ancestors to settle disputes. And at the end of the game, part of the medicine was going to water. And so for our young men, I, as a woman, cannot go to water with them. But the male coaches on our team will take them to water. And I can't speak to all the steps that are taken as they go because those are sacred to our tribe and our culture. But it's a way of going and healing yourself and rejuvenating yourself because you stand in the water. And we're lucky enough to have a river that's right across from our school, right across from our track, actually. And so we're able to go there during certain points of our track and cross-country season to go to water, uh, do the ceremonies, and basically they're standing in water, uh, either knee-high or hip-high, and they go through the process of our traditional ways. And when they come out, they're rejuvenated, they're cleansed, they've washed away all of the injuries or anything that could be hurting, you know, hurting them mentally or physically because the water will wash it away. And I remind them that that's who we are. And just like they, the other speakers have talked about, I believe that running is engraved in our DNA as Native Americans. 
and it is spiritual. It is a way of prayer. It's a way of overcoming. And so when I talk to my runners about running, you know, I talk about how their grandfathers and their great-grandfathers used to run from Cherokee to Tennessee, and this is over a huge mountain, and it's about 20 miles away, and they would run over there to make trades or to gather things to bring them back to the tribe. And I talk to them about all the things that their fathers and grandfathers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers overcame in their lifetime. Because as Native Americans, we, we are resilient, we're strong, and we have overcome so much to maintain our identity today. And so I remind them that, you know, you come from a long line of warriors, of strong people, of strong Cherokee people. And don't let them down today because today you're just running. You're just racing. And so anytime you feel that mental wall of this is hard, you know, because we all face that when we run or when we're competitive, fight through that. Remember who you're running for. Remember who you come from. And remember that you are resilient as well. And going back to speaking about going to water, you know, they're standing in ice-cold water because the water that's coming off the mountains in the parkway, it's so cold, even in the summertime. And so they're standing in that water, and as we know, it's a scientific fact, you know, ice baths help you wash out lactic acid. And so I think it speaks volumes to what our ancestors knew about going to water and getting in ice-cold water to strengthen the legs to, you know, wash away the injuries. And I think it just speaks volumes to who us as Native Americans and what our ancestors knew long before, you know, modernized scientific research. It really does, Asha. Uh, It speaks volumes about who we are and our heritage. And Ku, I want to ask you, because here we are listening to Asha talking about Cherokee people years ago running from what is now North Carolina all the way to Tennessee. Uh, Your family has a history of running long distances. With some of your work with these remembrance runs and just and serving really as a role model now for the sport of running and cross country, do you meet other people from other tribal nations with similar histories and stories of running long distances uh, historically? Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like all my friends growing up and all my cousins all had the, uh, the grandfather or the grandma who had to run away from a boarding school. Um, and it wasn't necessarily like running the whole time, but it was, it was just a matter of like escaping. So, you know, sure there was some walking in there, but yeah, there was definitely some running in there. So I guess that can kind of translate over into cross country and track. All righty. Uh, and Asha mentioned uh, stickball there, and we actually did a show about stickball among Southeast tribes. That show was on January 2nd, 2023. So if you go to the Native America Calling website and check out our archives, you can take a listen to a recording of that show about stickball. And Jeremy, I want to go back to you now. And uh, you started out as a wrestler, and now you're a runner at, at Haskell. And tell us about your events that you're competing in this season. Um, this outdoor season, uh, middle distance runner. Right now, I've got two 800-meter races under my belt, but I'm looking to get like maybe a 400. And I'm also on the 4x8 and 4x4 team. All right, so that 400 meter, that is, that's a sprint. That's the longest of the sprints. And the 800, that's twice that distance. That seems, again, like a really challenging event. You've got to have the speed and power, but you need endurance as well. What's your strategy when you run a race like an 800, Jeremy? Um, usually when I look at it, it's like not just physical, but it's also like a mental race. 
you know, it's not easy. Um, you'll be on like the second lap of the 800 hurting. You can either like ignore it and keep going or just let it overcome you and just like slow down. But like my strategy is like go out hard, attack, you know, aggressive and hold it like for the second half of the race. Now, and there's you have to you have to split it right. So you run the first half of the race and you shoot for a, a specific time, and then the second half of the race you, you also shoot for a specific time. And how close do those times need to be to run a good race between that first segment and the second segment? Um, so I've learned this like a few years ago from my. This is what Olympic Olympians do. It's like a two second differential. So like, first lap will always be fast faster than your second lap. So like. For a 156, first lap, I shoot for a 57, 59, two-second differential, and that is what got me a 156 my uh, senior year of high school. That's moving pretty good, I'll tell you. Right on. And uh, Jeremy, you and uh, Tiaget, you are, are coached by a legend there at Haskell Indian Nations University, Coach Al Gipp, who has been there for decades. What's it like working with Coach Gipp? Knowledge, you know, it's fun talking with him. He's been here for years, which I just found out, like 40-plus years, which is amazing. You know, he's a, he's a great coach and all that. I like that guy. 40 plus years. I mean, I'll tell you what, Coach Kip was there when I was at Haskell, and that was back in the 80s. So he has certainly uh, given a lot back to, to the school as well as all the athletes. Uh, Tiage, how about you? What's it like working with Coach Gip and, and some of the other assistants as well? Um, Coach Gip is a great guy. I like talking to him as well. He, has, he shares a lot of stories. He's <laughs> a man with many stories. Um, he's a great coach as well. He knows what he's talking about. And he's also like there for all the runners as well. Um, he's really caring for the, his athletes, which is a really good thing. And working with the other coaches, such as Coach Keeler and our distance coach, Coach Sal, um, they've really helped the program as well. And like I said, as like Coach Gibb, they're really here for the runners and um, will do anything that they need to just to make sure that we're um, – good on stuff you know mm -hmm. and then yeah they're just really supportive and I just really like the coaches and the staff here now Tiaje you and Jeremy you run in that historic stadium there Haskell Stadium built well over 100 years ago the site of some of those great Haskell football teams and, and other track and field superstars what's that like just going out there putting on the purple and gold and running in that historical venue um, it's strange, <laughs> I guess you could say. I've um, never really looked at it from a historic perspective, but it's just the, it's a great facility, and um, we try to take advantage of it, do some of our workouts there as much as possible. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's pretty cool, though, knowing who's all been here before, many the many greats that come before us, the history that comes from high school. I think it's just really cool to be a part of and be here. 
And Jeremy, tell us a little bit more about Coach Keeler, because I know he was instrumental in getting you folks to do this interview today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's a good guy. Um, I like his coaching. Um, yesterday, uh, I was just we we're doing photos for uh, track and field, and then he kind of came aside and wanted to he mentioned this interview. I was like, I'll do it, and I, I knew nothing about it, but. Yeah, this, sorry about that. Um, yeah, his coaching. I like his coaching. We um, he helped me out through uh cross country season. Um, like the first race, I go out like kind of slow, and he told pulled me aside and um, told me I got to go out there aggressive. You know, he helped me out cross country, give me a PR on my races. He's a great coach. I like him. Oh, that's good to know. And uh, Jeremy, what are some of your goals uh, for track and field, and then just also some of your educational goals there at Haskell? Um, my goals for the 800 is to at least get low 150s. Um, right now, I'm at a two flat that started the season, so hopefully I could go, um, get faster. I hope like 154, 55. And for my educational goals. Uh, last semester, I got I had a 3.8, so hopefully this semester I'm working really hard for that 4.0. Oh, wow. Nice to know you're keeping it going on there in the classroom. Now, Jeremy, so right now you're at about a two flat, two minutes flat in the 800, and you're looking for low 150. So that's like a 10-second drop. And, I mean, for somebody who does is not a runner, that doesn't seem like a big deal. But what does it take to, to, to cut 10 seconds off off your personal record like that? Um, it just like takes a uh, discipline, you know. It's not easy. Like ten seconds, like even two seconds is like a big difference in a race. You might not think it is, but you know, it's just important. You gotta stay disciplined, consistent on your training. You know, right now we're putting in a lot of mileage, and um, we are gonna be working towards more like quality speed workouts, and that's where I'm stay disciplined, consistent. Times will drop with it. Mm. And Tiage, how about yourself? Uh, what are your goals there on the track and also in the classroom? Um, for track, I kind of want to just progress in the 5K, um, wanting to cut my time off just as each race goes by. And also mm, with the season, probably getting stronger and running my races more strategically. I guess you can say finding out the the strategy that works for me that I'm comfortable with, and also uh, my academic goals would have to be maintaining my GPA and also I guess just getting going for a honor roll basically. Okay. Um, I don't really have problems with school, but it can be hard balancing both of them at times. So. Just finding that healthy balance is basically just what I'm wanting to accomplish. Do you see yourself giving back to the sport at some point in the future as a coach? Um, yeah, I was actually um, tempted, not tempted, um, asked to work with my old high school coach as an assistant with the uh, Kirtland Central Cross Country Program. So I think that would be something neat to look into and, like, try out after. Um I'm done running at Haskell. (laughs) 
All righty. Well, Tiage Nez and Jeremy Bacchus, uh, two track and field athletes at Haskell Indian Nations University. So give it up to the Haskell Indians on Native America Calling today. We're celebrating and talking about the sport of track and field, and we are going to have to wrap up here in a couple of minutes. But Asha, I'd like to go back to you and uh, help us put a cap on this conversation today and just uh, for anybody who's listening to the show, maybe they've never run before, maybe they've never competed athletically, but they're, they're interested in getting out there and maybe trying to run. What would be your advice to that person? I would say just start, start with what you can do. You know, we're, like I said, it's you know, running is prayer. Running is a way to spiritually connect to the land. It's a, it's a way to connect to yourself and your ancestors. <laughs> And just get out there and start. If, you, if it's something that you're passionate about, you'll get stronger and you'll, you'll become a successful runner. And I just think that we as Native Americans, we are strong people. And if we put our mind to anything and we set a goal for ourselves, we can achieve anything. I set the, go- the bar high for my kids because I'm a firm believer that no matter where you set the bar for yourself or for your athletes that you coach, they will rise to it. If you set that bar low, they're going to rise to it. If you set the bar high for them and yourself, you will rise to it. Because as Native Americans, as Indigenous people, we are strong and we can overcome anything. And I just think that running is so good for your health, but mentally it's the most important thing you can do for yourself. It becomes you so much stronger. It becomes you a, a, a better person. And so just get out there and run. You know, enjoy it. I've told people before when they say, oh, I hate running. I just hate it. And I was like, well, you've never ran for joy. Every run doesn't have to be hard and strenuous. Sometimes it just needs to be enjoyable. You need to throw mm-hmm. the watch away, leave it at home, leave the phone at home, and just go for a run. And at the end, you'll be happy, you'll be successful, and you'll be glad that you did it. Oh, thank you for those wise words. Beautiful words. Again, just get out and run and run for joy. We have now reached the end of our hour. I want to thank our four guests today, Asha Stevens, Ku Stevens, Yajenez, and Jeremy Bacchus for an energizing Native conversation about the sport of track and field and running. Join us on Native America Calling again tomorrow as we highlight this year's Native American 40 Under 40 Award winners. I'm Sean Spruce. Support from the Self-Governance, Communication, and Education Tribal Consortium presenting the 2023 Tribal Self-Governance Conference at the River Spirit Resort in Tulsa, Oklahoma, June 26th to the 29th. Learn how tribes are using self-governance for the delivery of programs and services for their citizens and communities, and how this authority improves the health and well-being of tribal communities. Registration closes June 23rd at tribalselfgov.org. Support for this program provided by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, the collective spirit and unifying voice of 37 tribal colleges and universities. For over 45 years, AHEC has worked to ensure that tribal sovereignty is recognized and respected and that tribal colleges and universities are included in this nation's higher education system. Information on a tribal college or university near you at AIHEC.org.
Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Quantic Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.